Hello, and welcome to another episode of Stories from the World. This is David Robert Farmerie. My apologies for a bit of a raspy voice this morning. I think it's just a few days of rain that we've had and pollen that still lingers in the air. You've heard me talk from time to time about listening to my gut. This story that I am about to tell you is a perfect example of just that. Recently, I was back in northern Arizona on the Navajo Reservation specifically to photograph sheep shearing. Like it is in many parts of the United States and even other countries, sheep shearing is an annual event. But with the Navajo, it goes much deeper than that. It is also a very traditional event and backed by a very deep history. When I started working with the Diné, the Navajo people, I knew nothing about sheep herding, sheep shearing, anything to do with this until I met Helen Gray Eyes. And when I met Helen, one of the first things that my gut began screaming for me to do is to photograph Helen and to tell the story of Helen raising sheep. At the time, I truly thought nothing of this screaming of my gut, but in looking back, I realized the significance of it. You see, at the time that I first met Helen, I knew nothing of the significance of sheep within the Diné culture. In fact, when I returned to photograph the first of two sheep shearings just about three weeks ago, I still really had no idea of the true significance. I had done my research in advance, but even in the research, I really didn't find anything. So I approached photographing this first round of sheep shearing simply as photographing the story itself as it unfolded and telling the story simply for what it was, shearing sheep. But a few days after I photographed this sheep shearing, I was continuing to do my research and I came across a book that just changed everything. In reading this book, I discovered the history and the significance of sheep within the Diné culture. And now I knew exactly why my gut was screaming so loud that first day that I met Helen. And now that I had this deeper understanding of this tradition, the way I approached sheep shearing the second time was completely different. And how appropriate it was that the second shearing was to be with Helen and her family. I say this because Helen is the most traditional Diné person that I know. And in my opinion, she is the quintessential person to tell this story around. Sheep were first introduced to the Diné by the Spanish as early as 1953 in an area then known as Dineta, which I assume might be where the present-day Diné have acquired their name. As a side note, Navajo is not the traditional name of the Diné. It is, in fact, a name that had been branded upon them by the Spanish, a name that roughly translates to thieves with knives. I think I'd want to change my name too. Anyhow, as I'm sure we're all aware, the arrival of the Spanish was the beginning of the acquisition of Diné land, which would soon expand to 
the forced eradication of their traditions, language, ways of dress, essentially the eradication of their culture as a whole. But what I have found to be the strongest and most widespread trait of the Diné is their ability to adapt. And that is how sheep, as well as other livestock, became such an integral part of the Diné culture. And this ability to adapt is also the means by which the Diné have been able to salvage and maintain their culture and traditions without the Bilagana being aware of it. And just to clarify, Bilagana is the Diné name for Anglos. Now, there are many researchers and other academics that refer to this adaptation as radically reinventing their culture. But I am one to fully disagree with this because for me and from what I see, the Diné simply added to their existing culture and for very good reason, as you will learn. You see, it was the adaptation of sheep especially that gave Diné women an even stronger role within their culture which was already a matriarchal society. And for those of you not familiar with this type of society, it is a society in which females hold the primary power positions, such as roles of political leadership, moral authority, social privilege, and control of property. And this matriarchal society is still in place today. In knowing this, I now am able to understand fully why it is so easy for Helen Grey Eyes to live alone. It was the addition of sheep that now gave Dene women the means to also create an income of their own. The sheep were raised for their meat, their hides, their wool, which is still true today. The meat, hides, and wool were sold, but also kept for family sustenance as well. But in addition to the sale of the wool, Dene women kept some of it back for weaving. And it was the weaving of textile products such as blankets and rugs and even apparel to wear that added yet another income stream for the Dene women. But then, in the 1930s, came along the New Deal, headed up by Franklin D. Roosevelt. Now, what most of us know about the New Deal are the massive public programs that put Americans back to work while building up the infrastructure of the United States. All in all, it was a great program. However, there was another aspect to this New Deal program. It was that of regulations. These regulations were put into place, and among them were those imposed upon the Diné. These regulations called for drastic reductions in the size of herds of all livestock to the extent of cutting their herds in half. Imagine going into, say, a manufacturing company and saying, okay, we are cutting your number of factories in half. How devastating that would be. Or going to a farmer and saying, we are cutting back your acreage that you can farm by half. Most farmers would end up going out of business. And to add insult to the injury, 
the majority of this livestock that was to be reduced was slaughtered and the dead carcasses were piled up to either rot or be burned. The reason for this imposed regulation by the New Deal program was to help reduce overgrazing and thereby help eradicate soil erosion, which admittedly had become a problem, but the problem was not solely because of overgrazing, and that was not taken into consideration. In fact, now, what, 80 years later, soil erosion is still a problem, even though twice in those 80 years, regulations on grazing have been imposed. And it was not the environmental concerns that had originally been stated that were at the root of this regulation. It was, in fact, because of the construction of the Boulder Dam. The concern was that the accumulation of silt that entered the water from blowing dirt and sand along its path would compromise the integrity of the dam. But even though herd reduction has been imposed twice, again in the last 80 years, sheep shearing and sheep raising is still an integral part of the Diné culture. And once again, I find this to be a quintessential example of the adaptability and perseverance of the Diné. So now, going into my second round of sheep shearing with the knowledge of this cultural history, my approach to photographing it had changed. Now, not only was I looking for the best angles and compositions to tell the story, but more so, I was looking to tell the history of the story, as well as the present-day story, which are intrinsically intertwined. When I arrived at Helen's, everybody was kind of just getting ready to begin. Present there were Helen, her sister Alice, Helen's daughter, Lynette, and Lynette's husband, Perry. It was, in my opinion, as it should be, again, based on the history that I had learned, that the majority of the shearing was being done by the women, including Helen. The corral that holds the sheep sits about 60 yards from Helen's house. The corral that holds the sheep, it sits up on a knoll, and it is surrounded by this amazing tan-colored rock outcropping that just rises up out of the barren soil and stretches as far as the eye can see. And this outcropping is comprised of giant boulders, which actually makes a great playground as well as a hiding place for the sheep. And throughout the day, there were these strong gusts of winds that blew with a great frequency. And each time they blew, it lifted the fine, dry soil from the ground and it propelled it like tiny projectiles. And each time these gusts would come up, everybody would stop shearing to turn their heads in the opposite direction of the wind. But even with this precaution, these tiny projectiles of soil would really sting against the face and without fail, one's teeth could feel the grit that made its way into one's mouth each time. But I have to say that the wind was also a welcomed relief from the heat of the day. This place where Helen lives is in the high desert and there is no place to gather for shade. 
And as the sun made its way from one horizon to the other, as the day unfolded, the heat increased. At times, Perry would need to climb up on these boulders to lasso a sheep that was about to be sheared. Thankfully, he was as agile as a sheep, but he was not as fast. After a sheep was lassoed, it was brought to one of three plastic tarps that were spread out on the ground, and the sheep was laid down on its side. You know, I never ceased to be amazed at how much wool comes off of one sheep. At one point during each and every shearing, it is truly impossible to tell the sheep from the sheared wool that is mounded around them. Also, at both of the shearings, no one used electric clippers. Instead, the shearing is done with a specially designed pair of scissors. The process is quite laborious, to say the least. Helen and her family only sheared about nine sheep the day that I was there. The family that I photographed about two weeks prior sheared 34 sheep, but they had many more people there to help. Since the shearings, several people have asked me about the sheep being injured in the process. Yes, every once in a while, a sheep will get a nick from the shears cutting too close. This usually occurs when the sheep jerks trying to get up while the shears are cutting. The sheep's legs are tied to prevent them from being able to get up, but they still try. And when they try, they jerk. And in all of the sheep that I saw being sheared, which was around 40, I never saw anything that was more than just a superficial nick. But when a sheep is nicked, the person shearing it puts a spit of tobacco juice on their fingers and applies it to the nick. This helps it to heal and it also prevents any infection. Oh, and yes, it is customary for those shearing to have a chew of tobacco in their mouth for this very purpose. This is one of those traditional remedies that has literally been around since the very beginning. I will tell you that this was one of the great experiences of my career. And having experienced it by two different families in two very different locations added greatly to the overall experience. I mentioned that Helen's place was in the arid high desert the first shearing that I photographed was in Navajo, New Mexico, where there are trees and these enormous bright red rocks that are hundreds of feet high. And both families that allowed me to photograph the shearing were so open and so, so very gracious. Granted, with Helen and her family, I have known them for about a year and a half, but the family that I photographed the first time, I had never met before. We were all strangers to one another, but still, they opened their arms and they opened their homes and they opened their tradition to allow me in to photograph. And in both instances, I was invited to join them for a meal. <laughs> this trip to Arizona I overloaded on Navajo fry bread and, believe it or not, banana splits. But the story of the banana splits, that will have to wait until another time. Before I close this episode out, I wanted to mention to you that 
I have created a small gallery of images so that you can see what I have been talking about. And hopefully this will add to your experience as well. The link to this gallery is in the show notes. And if you can't find them within the provider that you're listening to this podcast from, you can access them on my website at davidfarmery.com. Then just click on the podcast link from the menu. And as always, I sincerely thank you for allowing me to share with you another story from the world. This is David Robert Farmery signing off for another week. If you'd like to keep abreast of upcoming workshops, lectures, or new releases of my fine art prints, sign up for my mailing list at davidfarmery.com. You have my sincere word that you will not be spammed, nor will I give or share your information with anyone. You have been listening to Stories from the World, copyright 2021, David Robert Farmery, all rights reserved.